1: This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL.
0: This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and Andy and I are back with Season 2, Episode 7, Santa Claus Came to Town. And delivered the boys a much-needed 11 nothing routing over Austria, and U.S. seems to be on a very good track right now as our boy Buzzsaw Berard has taken over Team USA. And Andy, how's everything going? How was your Christmas?
1: It was good. Yeah, I hope everyone listening had a, a wonderful Christmas with their, uh, you know, with whichever loved ones they could be with, and if not, you know, just. Uh, speaking of family members of the phone or on zoom or just whatever their holiday plans were uh, it's been fun watching world junior action uh, we're a couple as of this recording it's Sunday night so we're a couple days into uh, in yeah into the tournament and there's already been some some ups and downs for every team probably besides uh, Canada right now so um, but yeah, no, it's been interesting. It's been uh, definitely fun to watch, you know, try to feel out some of the teams early on in the tournament, and uh, so based on some of our predictions uh, uh, last at our last podcast, uh, yeah, some there are some things I think we nailed, and I think there's some things that you you kind of forced to reevaluate a little bit.
0: Yeah, you know, watching Team U.S. Uh, last night. Again, we're doing this on Sunday evening. So it was, uh, you know, late night last night watching the U.S. finally, you know, get a big win under their belt after a tough loss to Russia. I thought we were going to be in trouble after Russia. And then, you know, I said the team team game will win games in this tournament. We didn't see that against Russia. But finally, the U.S. kind of just, you know, put their skill and they moved the puck a lot better. Uh, they threw pucks on net every which direction they had about 20. post. would you say that was like the most posts you've seen hit by a team that you ever watched? <laughs> I mean, yeah,
1: considering what was their final shot total? It was ridiculous, right? like 72 like or something like that. 72 shots, something crazy. But yeah, so many posts, you know, listen, uh, just like how I, you know, as bad as I felt for Germany getting routed by Canada with, you know, uh, they're missing most of their, between losing to COVID, losing half of their teammates, and then even some of their high echelon talent who couldn't come into the bubble, like Reichel couldn't make it, uh, and yeah, yeah, only having 15 available players, that's tough. So, but credit to them for hanging with Canada, not giving up. And same thing with Austria; their goaltender played great for the situation he was uh, put in. You know, at one point he had he tweaked its, uh I think he tweaked his you know his left leg on a on a, on a desperation save. So you got to feel for them. But listen, they they fought till the end. uh, So kudos to them. But yeah, I mean, USA, that's what they had to do. And you can almost tell because unlike the Canada game, it wasn't like from the beginning, it was an onslaught. But the U.S. didn't start. I don't think they scored their first goal until with maybe 10 minutes left in the first, despite just being all of them. You know, they were hitting posts. They were clutching the sticks. They probably saw that Canada easily routed Germany. So they kind of were coming off a bad you know, a game that they probably could have won if they had gotten their act together earlier against uh, a good Russian team, you know? But I think it's one of those things that maybe losing that early in the tournament and facing Russia early on was good for them. Uh, Well, what did you think think of Russia?
0: Because we we predicted them to win, Uh, you know, obviously besides Canada, we both kind of picked them as a, you know, a, a little bit of a sleeper. I guess anyone besides Canada is a sleeper. So what did you think of Russia against the U.S. in the first game? I, I really like their game. They definitely, you know, I think
1: uh, Ferraro and Gord Miller noted it and they were absolutely right. in that, uh, you know, they're done with Val- Valeri Bragin as their head coach and now they have uh, Igor Larionov, the professor. So they were definitely playing, you know, that the, the, the Russian teams kind of played a more go straightforward, conservative brand of hockey, more dumping and just area passes to teammates. They, yeah, they were able to take the, they played a much more, aggra- I've never seen the Russians that aggressive. They, you know no time and space for the usa and you could tell they couldn't break the puck they had trouble breaking the puck out uh a lot of receiving pucks with their backs up the ice because they just you know they couldn't didn't have the time or space to to skate into pucks in areas you know what i mean so yeah you know kudos to uh yeah kudos to the russians and they have a lot of you know they have a lot of good uh forwards you know vasily ponomerov who i've been pretty high on i think i had him in my first you know in my tail end of my first round and, and uh uh, he's Carolina draft pick. Um, yeah, he had a great game. He had two goals. He was flying all night. Uh, Pod Podkol- Vasily and Canucks prospect. You know who is uh, much has been made of him. Uh, yeah, same thing. He's strong on pucks and just they the Russians kept their feet moving. They didn't give USA time or space, and then they exploited them on the counter attack and on breakaways, which is pretty good. And they have good individual skill, so they can play any which way you want it. And you even sense that. I sense obviously the USA had things to iron uh, iron out. I really did sense that this Russian team still has other gears that we haven't seen. And I I think I read something from Larianov that they said there's a lot of this tournament is pacing yourself. Yeah, and I think they played that first game perfectly. And I wouldn't be surprised if if uh, Russia and Canada should when slash if slash should they meet, uh, they yeah they can surprise a lot of teams, man. I still I still think they're my favorite to win the tournament. But that being said. Well, I liked the way USA responded, even though it's Austria, obviously, and they were penciled in to win that game and they did what they had to do, but you could just tell, um, you know, you spoke about it up top, but uh, some of the adjustments they've made with their lineup, where at first it was kind of clear divisions, they really have seen that. Uh, yeah, they were USA, you know, for as skilled as their lineup is, I think they're seeing now that they need a little bit of everything on every line, hence why Brett Barard has just been, you know, going from the ice time he was getting uh in the the pre-tournament action, has now he's worked his way up to the third line just based on his effort. And it's it's it sounded like uh, you know, Ray Ferraro was giving him shouts out and saying how impressed he was every time he was on touch on the ice because he's in limited whenever he's on the ice, he's buzzing and he's making stuff happen. You know, he, and he
0: nicknamed a Buzzsaw, which you and I you and I are, are running with. We love that, you know, Buzz Buzzsaw Brett Berard. Yeah, no, tremendous nickname. Love that for gave him that nickname because it's it just changed changes the whole dynamic of this player for me in my eyes uh he was humming all game long it just seemed like he was involved every single shift and just the united states overall last night just watching russia and the the austria game it, you just felt like it was two different teams i just felt like obviously the competition is you know a lot worse with austria but you just felt like the u.s responded and respected the fact that they needed to bounce back and they needed to bounce back as a team. I just felt like we were more balanced. I felt like they were getting, you know, plays to the net when, you know, in the Russian game, I felt like everything was forced or they're, they're just weren't clicking like nothing was getting done. And obviously that probably has a lot to do with, like you said, the Russian team limiting time and space and just forcing the U S to make mistakes. You just didn't see those mistakes against Austria. Uh, they were dominating, they were faced, you know, a goalie that was, you know, playing a great game, but eventually good teams find a way to get the floodgates to open and the U.S., you know, were able to, you know, punch a few goals in the second and really just open things up uh, there in the second period and continue to do so into the third. Great to see. What do you expect now from the United States going forward? Um <sighs> You know, obviously, they changed the lineup a bit. They become a little bit more balanced. Do you think that continues? Um, they played the Czech Republic on Tuesday after a couple days off. So what do you expect the U.S. to look like against the Czech Republic?
1: Well, that's a, you know, the Czechs are going to be a hard out. Uh, they they pl- had a pretty good showing um, uh, yesterday yesterday uh versus uh, no excuse me that yeah they had a pretty good showing versus Sweden until the the wheels fell off you know they were skating with him uh I do I do expect USA to win that game but it's going to be a tough out um I guess the big question is spent you know Spencer Knight struggled clearly against Russia so they went with Dustin Wolf against uh Austria didn't really have to do much but you know 10 saves I I, I think you have to go back tonight even though he struggled, he's your guy. And that's no disrespect to Dustin Wolf. Like he's a good goaltender, but Knight's their guy. And I think the only way they're going to get in, he needs to get his, his confidence back. You know, every time he plays Yaroslav Askarov in international competition, he seems to lose to him, which is, I don't know if it's nerves or if it's just kind of like gamesmanship and it just gets in his head, but you got, he's got to shake it off. Um, you know, he's going to be the guy if they're going to do anything. So uh, yeah, I think they go back to him. I would expect, you know, I think... So, Uh, It looks like I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Arthur Kaliev, who, if he's not putting pucks on the net, he's not really doing much else, gets moved down. I like Brendan Brisson's game. I could see him maybe moving up into the top six. Uh, I like Berard. Maybe, hell, even maybe he can move into that second line, maybe, you know, or at least you can flip him around every now and then you put him with uh, Boldy and, uh, you know, Matty Beneers um, to maybe goose that line a little bit. But yeah, I, I could definitely... I definitely want Berard to get more ice time just because it seems that every time he's on the ice, he's doing what has to be done. He gets primary assists. He goes to the net. He's causing interference. He's so good in transition. He's just, man, he, you know, I th- I think I saw something from data tracking that no, you know, he's per every you know, person, you know, he, he creates a crazy amount of offense dude despite only playing limited minutes and that's just every time he's on the ice he's making something happen in a positive way he completes his passes he makes sure it gets he doesn't turn the puck over he just finds way to he's just smart if he has to eat it he will and we you know we saw that goalie scored just i didn't know he could skate like that you know he i knew he was a good motor guy i just didn't know he could have a burst of speed like that he was he was flying man so uh yeah i mean it's good for him but i expect we'll it'll seem similar i wouldn't like i said i wouldn't be surprised if one of uh you know, Colangelo or, uh, Brendan Bresson, you know, maybe get some time on the second line. Uh, and their D is going to look a lot of difference. You know, it looks like, uh, Brock Faber's really impressed me. Um, he's a sends prospect, I believe. So he's kind of, even though he was more of a little bit more of an afterthought coming in, he's really, uh, solidified himself. And yeah, I mean, I think York has looked good at, you know, uh, Everyone's that D has struggled at times, especially against Russia. But you know, I thought York is still looked uh, pretty darn good, and Sanderson, same thing. You know, uh, steady Eddie. So, yeah, I don't expect much to change. Like I just maybe the changes I mentioned. But uh, yeah, it only gets harder for them here on out. Like I said, Czech Republic on Tuesday, uh, and then they play Sweden on Thursday. So, and then the quarterfinals start on Saturday. So, yeah, they they have their uh, their work cut out for them, and I mean. Canada is, you know, they're, they're outside of, you know, they're in a pretty, their block is not so bad right now. They're, I think they, their hardest matchups probably against uh, Finland, which is, I think they play Finland on uh, Thursday. So, yeah, I mean, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the, I think, I still think as good as Canada has looked, they really haven't been tested. So you, who knows? Maybe USA getting punched in the mouth a little bit early. That could be good for them. You know what I mean? They make their adjustments. Canada doesn't really know what adjustments need to be made just because they're kind of playing down to their competition a bit. But uh yeah, but we'll see. But as it stands, like you said, I still think Russia is my favorite to win as of right now. But I wouldn't even be surprised if it ends up if, if even if it I could see Russia and USA meeting in the in the final with Canada, you know, getting bronze. That wouldn't surprise me either. But uh yeah, it's a little too early to kind of get a feel for it, but uh you'll have to wait till the quarterfinals, but um yeah, as of right now uh I think USA can they, they I think they have enough uh within that team to to write uh, the ship a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, looking at the, the Group Group A and Group B, obviously the, uh, Group A is going to be the Finland-Canada uh, group, and then Group B is the United States, Russia, Sweden. Right now, the U.S., I think the Czech game is a must-win game for them, only because if you look at Group A, realistically, you have Canada at the one seed. If the U.S. falls to Czech, they're most likely going to fall to Sweden, and then that puts them in that four spot, and then they have to draw Canada first. I don't think there's a shot in the world, U.S. You know, you want to avoid Canada at all costs. So right now, Tuesday at 3 p.m. against the Czech Republic, that's a must win game. Must watch hockey. So if you're you're pulling for the U.S., this is it. Like this is basically a medal game. They have to win this, at least grab the third seed spot, because then you're probably going to end up with uh, Finland sitting in uh, the two hole for Group A. Which is obviously a tough draw, but I'd rather be facing Finland than Team Canada in the uh, quarterfinals. Do you yeah. agree? Yeah, and you know, I, I, yeah, I agree. And I, you
1: know, I don't want to sell uh, a team like Sweden short because they looked absolutely uh, phenomenal once uh, they kind of figured out their deactivation. They might have the best D in the tournament. Broberg looked amazing, and also Sweden yeah, and hasn't lost
0: in. In uh, uh group play, oh well, yeah, that's usually
1: the case. They don't li- they don't lose in, they don't lose in group play, you know uh, whatever they're they're fifty three and all or something uh, like that. Right yeah, now? something crazy like that. Yeah, so uh, but yeah, which is weird. You you know, I, I think at a certain point you you'd, you'd want to say let's forget the group play, let's win. But you know they listen. There one was they won. Um, what was the last time Sweden won the World Juniors? They won a few years
0: ago. Well, they won with Zavanjad, uh, right?
1: Yeah, but I think they've won <laughs> since then, right? Um. Is that that wasn't the last time they won? Is it? Uh, didn't they win with? Um, I'm trying to think what team that would be. Uh, did Elias Patterson's team win? No, no, I don't think so. Elias Anderson's lost both one. Um, yeah, I don't remember, but uh, yeah, it's it's funny. I think Finland and and the USA actually right now in this uh, last uh, decade have the most. I think they have three apiece, right? So yeah, um, yeah. I- so, uh, but yeah, uh, I, listen, even even though some of these games you got to feel for some of the teams that are clearly under gun or it's not their year, they just don't have it. You know, I definitely feel for Germany cause they're a team that I think if they were at their full potential, they could at least hang in some sense. But, uh, yeah, obviously the COVID really did a number on their roster, which is a shame, but, uh, yeah, who knows maybe if they come back next year, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I'm loving the tournament so far and it's nice because it's almost now instead of having to wait for the NHL season, I get to watch hockey and then it's like, Oh, yeah, we're a week out from NHL training Rangers training camp, which is an also every nice every time I realize that.
0: Yeah. And well, first let's talk about uh Schneider. Obviously if you were paying attention to oh, the yeah. games, you know, uh, it, he came down, it just looked like it was a dumb hit. You know, you can't fall through and hit the guy in the face. Um, you know, made head yeah. contact and in, uh, in the tournament. So it's a five minute major and a game misconduct, uh, you know, and he got well,
1: he's sitting out tonight he got a he got yeah. a one game suspension you know
0: so which was to uh, be expected uh,
1: yeah I agree with you Jane. I think I think it was one of those things that you know he probably didn't mean to do it but listen your' your the onus is on you especially in international play uh they're much stricter about that the guy's smaller than him his teammate sends him a suicide pass unfortunately uh but yeah but Schneider has to know that you're responsible for your own you know at that. and yeah I don't like I said I don't think he was trying to do it but he still did it. The onus is on the hitter in this regard, especially in international play. It's There's a precedent already. They're really strict about it. So he rightly should sit and he's going to sit for a game. So, you know, hopefully he learns from it. But uh, at the same time, you don't want him to shy away from being physical. But yeah, it's, it's it was a dumb hit. He probably sh- he shouldn't have done it. But I don't think he meant to. You know, the player, luckily, I, was OK. Skated away under his own power. Um So, uh yeah. So hopefully, yeah, it's just a learning experience. He doesn't do it again. and. Yeah, he just sits for his game.
0: Yeah, it's just one of those things that's so frustrating because you're so pumped to see him play with Team Canada, and then it's just like yeah. a total letdown, you know, for something that was so unnecessary. You just hate to see it, um, but you know it's yeah. going to be called to the, and they're going to enforce it to the maximum extent because they're trying to take you know any head contact, you know, out of you know hockey, but all sports in general. So it's just a tough one to watch, but you know. He'll be back and, you know, hopefully Canada doesn't get into a, a, a rhythm or a feels where Schneider doesn't see himself, you know, really contributing or, or you know, being that, you know, defenseman, you know, that gritty defenseman that, you know, they, they were planning on him being all tournament long, you know, so uh, they're that good that they don't really need him. Yeah. You know, you don't want to play yourself out of playing time.
1: No, and. You know, I think another, uh, another great thing about this tournament is that it like kind of lets you see where prospects are at. Cause you know, we have, you have, uh, players that are, you've played, yeah, Brad Lambert for Finland at the same time. How good does Trevor Zagres look? I mean, you Jeez. know, he's a New York, New York kid. It's just eyes in the back of his head. I'm sure ducks fans are salivating, uh, you know, and as, as our Montreal Canadiens fans getting to watch Cole Caulfield. And yeah, so that's the biggest thing is you want to watch your guy. So, you know, James and I watching Brett Barrard slowly work his way up the lineup and providing everything you you hope to see him in a Ranger sweater in the future doing. Yeah. It's awesome, man. It's the, it's amazing. And, but I, I do, I do also want to sit, you know, segue into saying, don't take, you know, the, take everything you see with a grain of salt. Like if, a Quinton Byfield doesn't dominate. Don't, he's not a bust or, you know, or if, because uh, plenty of players have lit up this tournament and then gone on to mediocrity, you know, and plenty of guys have been left out uh, and have gone on to have pretty good NHL careers, but it's just such a fun tournament. You know, I think that Sweden Czech Republic game was uh, probably the be- the most fun game of the tournament until the wheels fell off for the Czech Republic. But Man, just when team you know it's it's young, enthusiastic hockey, trading chances back and forth, and there's nothing like it. You know, you can see how even with no fans in the lineups,
0: you can see how pumped these uh, players are to be in this tournament. So I love it. I love everything about it. Yeah, even watching the games, I haven't even noticed that there was no fans. You just feel the energy, and yeah, take everything you see with a grain of salt with this because first off, it's not only a unique year in which you know obviously you saw Team Germany just absolutely lose half their team in a matter of a a day and then you know you have teams like austria that you know are standing their goalie standing on their head and and everyone's you know touting him and just you know watching the chat of the the hockey podcast network slack chat just kind of rip apart the goaltending in the russia u.s game right off the bat i'm like would you relax let these kids like have a game or two to kind of adjust and and you know this is you know they know the spotlights on them They're in a unique situation. You know, a lot of these kids just got drafted. You know, there is a little sense of pressure, I'm sure, that they have on on themselves, but they'll figure it out. I mean, they've gotten to this point so far, so I I think they'll be okay. I don't think we really need to call anyone a bust or, you know, call anyone a superstar if they have, you know, one, you know, great game. It's just this is what the tournament is. Just enjoy it. Enjoy, you know, the underdogs if they, you know, find a game where they – find themselves in a position to be, you know, a, a contender to win this tournament and just enjoy, you know, the U.S. playing because the U.S. is going to be one of those teams that they're going to either be, you know, a big underdog in some games or, you know, a big favorite in some games. And it's it's fun to watch. You know, we got a team that's in the middle of the pack They're, you know, probably expected, you know, to maybe make it to the semifinals. But, you know, there's a lot of exciting players that are finding their groove and and you're seeing the future of the NHL you know, play out in a, in a tournament, you know, and, and again, with COVID and everything, it's just one of those things where you can't really, you know, point fingers and judge a player on, on these, you know, six games that they'll end up playing or seven games, you know, just enjoy it. Don't, don't look into it too much because you'll just drive yourself crazy. And, and also uh, yeah, Zegris, dude, that kid is it's just unbelievable. Obviously you know, he, he was drafted, you know, in the first round, you know, he's going to be a, a solid NHL player, but the kid just, doesn't he carry himself like a superstar? Like I'm so jealous that, you know, the ducks got him.
1: Yeah. I mean, and he's a New York kid too. Like, yeah. I just, yeah. I mean, you know, the Mount. he, I've never seen someone do a spinorama pass like that so much, but also with so much success, like usually when guys do that, uh, Every time he does it, I'm like, I kind of wince because I'm like, this is going to, like, just go to the opposing team. But he somehow gets it through. It's amazing. His timing, like you said, his poise uh, is incredible. Like, um, you,
0: you can just tell some players yeah. have that NHL touch and he has that already. You know, some of these kids, you know, might they might develop into that player. He seems like he has it already. Like you uh, just the way he, you know, sees the ice, it's just, you can tell it's almost like he's not trying. You never seen, like, it's almost like they're not trying. Obviously, you know, he's trying as hard as he can, but they just have a poise and a calmness to their game and just the, the way they, you know, see the ice and it's just, their confidence just spews like maturity and it's, and it's, you know, for him in particular on Team USA, it's just, it's unbelievable. So fun to watch.
1: Yeah. So Ducks fans have to be stoked about that. But uh yeah, at the same time, like I said earlier, as much as we love watching these kids dominate at the same you know, there's there's still it's not a it's not a sure thing that this means that they can just step in. I think someone on TSN the other day said something like, If this team Canada could play a like
0: oh my God, win against
1: God. an NHL team now, like what a come on. Like I like, listen. <laughs> I mean yeah what whatever i mean it i just that goes without saying how how stupid that sounds and ridiculous and i think it does a disservice to these kids because
0: like you know well yeah because then you're expecting about the pressure right exactly and listen if, if detroit if the detroit red wings were in this tournament they would dummy every single team in this tournament like even canada they would absolutely i think if the
1: grand if the grand rapids griffins were in this tournament (laughs) like you know that's the thing it's just it's not uh, it's
0: men against boys
1: Yeah. And that's the thing is that you can see how just what a a year of difference, like a, you know, a 19 year old playing against an eight, you know, uh, you can see this, the steps players take, you know, if they're returnees, like how much better they are just after one year of development. So just take, you know, five years of that, but plus an extra 20 pounds of muscle and three, you know, inches of height and, you know, another, uh, you know, another four miles per hour of speed, you know, and, and, and raw power. So. Yeah, I just I, that stuff makes me cringe. But, that, you know, the best thing about this tournament is that it's like they're kids. Like, that's why it's fun, man. It's like because they're enthusiastic. They're youthful. It kind of you think about, you know, being in the locker room with your buddies and just hanging around and just that bond, you know, and just, yeah, playing for one another. And, and the fact that the jitters of like you're doing to that point in your life, this is the biggest thing they'll do. And you sense that. And it's awesome. That's what makes it amazing. You know what I mean? So uh, and it's a, yeah, also an opportunity I, to
0: root for players that your team have no like you're not associated with uh, other than team usa you know what i mean it's like you know yeah. zegras i'll never root for that kid ever unless he's wearing a, a usa sweater so enjoy it while he's you know on our side or if you're canadian exactly. you to this enjoy you know you know byfield if you're not a kings fan there's you know this is it this is the only time you're going to root for this kid they they all become the enemy once uh this tournament ends exactly
1: and uh Yeah. I mean, to your point, it's like, man, it's just that uh, it's just at a certain point I'm watching the game, especially the routes with the USA and Canada. At a certain point, I I found myself I was almost hoping like Austria could somehow pot one just so those kids could like, uh, you know, be like, you know, we didn't give up and we scored one like, you know, rally a little bit. You start rooting for... You, you can't help but root for the underdogs, you know? Uh, it, same thing with Germany. Like, it would have been cool to see Stutzel kind of, you know, up against it with his back against the wall, like, have to try to will his team to victory. That would have been awesome. You know what I mean? So, yeah. it's cool. I, you know, I, I you find yourself rooting for teams you never thought you'd root for. And uh, each game is its own... got its own little mojo, which is really cool. It's a it's a really all-over-the-place tournament, and it's awesome. And if you're listening to this and you're a Rangers fan and you don't watch the World Juniors, uh, yeah, get on it. It's amazing. <sighs>
0: I'm Corey Granja. I'm Richie Suave Flores, and this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave on the
1: Hockey Podcast Network.
0: What did I just listen to? Oh, f- this game. This game is. This game is just bullshit now. Oh my gosh! I actually, they actually made me feel uncomfortable. What was it? Panty? What? The game has gone to bullshit.
1: Panty melted. <sighs> Why do we record these during the middle of games? Oh, God. Be sure to listen to Corey and I every Monday. We are your go-to source for the Arizona Coyotes on the Hockey Podcast Network.
0: Let's transition to the NHL because uh, one of the biggest stories of the World Juniors happened, you know, the very first day. You know, the first game for Canada was their their boy Kirby Doc went down, broken wrist. Did you see the, the picture? Did you see the picture? of? Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, I I almost threw
1: up in my mouth. It was his uh, his wrist. His wrist looked like the letter Z, and that's not how a wrist is supposed
0: to look. Oh, my God. I I honestly could throw up just even thinking about it. It was that disgusting. But boy, oh, boy, does Gorton look like a genius not letting Lafreniere go. And it's just one of those things where I think every Ranger fan was just like, okay, the the you know better decision was made. Although we wanted to see this kid kind of dummy this tournament, at the same time he's safe. He's practicing, you know, uh, you know, with some of the the other Rangers prospects. I believe he's with like Kreider and Miller and you know and those guys. So you know. It's just a total blow to Team Canada, a total blow to the Blackhawks, a total blow to, you know, Kirby Doc's season. It's already a limited season. He's going to miss some NHL time. You know, again, it brings up the question, you know, what is the right answer, Andy? Because, you know, for me, I'm always just go out and play the game. You know, if you get hurt, you get hurt. But this, you know, this type of injury, that that was, like, disgusting. And now looking at it, it's, like, totally not worth Kirby Doc even playing in his tournament.
1: Yeah, you know, listen. I mean, as much has been made about, you know, should should players go? It's different for every guy. Um, obviously, a player we've we've talked ad nauseum that why Lafreniere doesn't need to go and he shouldn't go to this tournament. The same thing with Capocacco, and you could even say maybe the same thing with Jack Hughes. Doc didn't get to play in the work for the World Juniors, and it, you know it was a chance he was going to be. You know, he could. If he was to play, they would name him captain. And so I understand why the appeal was there for him. Uh, so, like, yeah, I definitely get it. You know what I mean? He never got that experience. It's something you could remember for the rest of your life. Uh, unfortunately, this is how it ended up. I don't know if it's necessarily... I think it's more of a, that there is no... I think it's more of a affirmation that if you don't want to go, it's not necessarily... A mistake because you could see how many uh, canadian fans were mad that Laf- the rain they, they thought the rangers were keeping lafreniere going from apparently you know they were him cop i apparently I, I heard that capo hughes and lafreniere were all asked do you want to participate in this tournament and lafreniere is like nope i you know been there done that i'm i'm an nhl player now capo same thing and lafreniere and hughes same thing you know what i mean like uh and yeah, I don't like I it's hard for me to say that it was because listen, it was at the end of the day, it was a freak thing. So I don't know if it's if I would go as far as saying that Doc should have never went because I understand why, at least for him, the appeal was there, especially with the fact that he would get to be the captain of that team and maybe round out that type of ability. And I think the Blackhawks might find that a little important, you know, especially if they think he's going to be their captain once Jonathan Taze moves on to, you know, to uh, greener pastures. But yeah, unfortunately, it ends up like this. So uh i definitely don't think you you know there's definitely a lot of reasons you shouldn't go but the reason you have to be i think this just shows why if you're going to play in this tournament the reasons you know and you're already an nhl uh player or poised to take that step the reasons better be pretty good because there is risk
0: yeah i mean god it's just like the the, i think i think for me it's the injury i know i'm like kind of like i'm trying to find my words to even like Find how I feel about it because I'm with you. I was always the type that's like, just play the game, go out and have fun. Injuries only happen when you're, you know, being, you know, cautious or a freak injury. And this was definitely a freak injury. But at the same time, it's like, listen, the NHL is a business. The Blackhawks are a business. They are looking to put the best product they can out on the ice. And I understand that this kid never had an opportunity to play in the world juniors and, and he would, you know, obviously he's the best Canadian player and this was basically it for him. But at the same time, it's like, you kind of have to grow up. You kind of just have to accept that you're an NHL player. You were a very good player for the Blackhawks last year. You're needed for this team moving forward. It's a limited season. I don't know how many games he's going to end up missing, but it's one of those things where it's like, when's enough enough? Like this isn't the Olympics. It's the world juniors. This at the end of the day, this, you know, this really means nothing in terms of Kirby Doc's career. Like he he's going to make more of a statement at the NHL level than he will at this level at this tournament, you know, this is just kind of icing on the cake. And if it's there, you know, take, you know, you know make the best of that opportunity but for players like Kirby Doc and Lafreniere and and Kako and Hughes and it's just one of those things where I'm just like you know what I don't think this seven game tournament is worth it it's not the Olympics at the end of the day it's and you're if you're an established NHL player that you know it has to go to work in about a couple weeks you should probably concentrate on that that that's my opinion it kind of changed I, I was if you asked me two weeks ago, I would have definitely been like, man, I wish I see these players play again in this tournament because it's that special. But seeing what it did to Kirby Doc and, and just envisioning myself being a Blackhawks fan, it's just it's tough. It's it's really tough.
1: Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Like I said, I don't. it's one of those things where I don't think there is a right answer. And obviously, hindsight might play into it uh, a little bit. But yeah, of course. But uh, yeah, just it really does suck for Doc, man. He's I he I feel for right. him most obviously, because now not only does he not get to do this, this is going to impact his start of, you know, his NHL season and wrist injuries are, are no are no joke, man. Like, you yeah. know, there's guys sometimes they don't it's their shot. It might affect their shot might not be the same or if they're a guy who's like, you know, Doc's got pretty great hands for a big man's kind of his deal. So you have to hope that it doesn't, you know doing that to your wrist, it doesn't, you know, affect his hand speed or at all. Cause that in the NHL, you know, that could be all the difference, you know, but, uh, you know, he's young, we wish him a speedy recovery, uh, recovery. And I'm, you know, I'm hoping knock on one that he sh- everything should be fine. Uh, that to me, I'm not a doctor, but I can't, I imagine that's at least what, uh, six weeks minimum, right? Like I you can't imagine it just with on top of just waiting for, if you get it reset and whatever surgery, if they have that, you know, I assume they might have to put a screw or a plate there, just because literally it was a a Z his wrist, you know, which is it not was supposed just to be mangled. like that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, was,
0: I mean, I broke my hand in college. That was that was four weeks, and I, and I truly never really gained the strength back. It, it took a very long time to get that strength back. Um, I had to wear once I got the cast off. I even played with the cast. It was actually better than when I got the cast off because I just yeah. felt so weak without it. But it was one of those things where it's like you just you really need time to even just get the strength back. That almost takes longer than the healing process. And and, you know, I know they're working with the world's, you know, you know, the country's best doctors. And and he's going to go through, you know, tons of therapy for it. But but still, it's like, you know, at the same time, he is a pro athlete. He's got to perform at the highest level there is. So, you know, obviously we want him to get well soon. I love the Blackhawks, you know, and Kirby Doc, you know, obviously bright, bright future with them. So hopefully he gets well soon. But uh, let's talk about a little bit New York Rangers because I got some questions for you, Andy. And, uh, you know, we're not going to tiptoe anymore around questions concerning the New York Rangers. How do you feel about that? Because I'm going to I'm going to ask you some questions and. You know what, looking at Instagram, looking at Twitter, these people, everyone has their opinion and it's the right one. And if you don't listen to them, you're all a buffoon and enough's enough, Andy, you and I are going to answer some questions that I have about the Rangers, about whether or not they're making the playoffs, where our talent level stands compared to the rest of the teams in our division. And, you know. We got to do we got to do some soul searching because enough of us saying, you know, we just got to see how the season plays out. We got to see what we have in our youth and stuff like that. We need to answer questions for the people, for the listeners, so they know what to expect. And if they don't listen to us or don't believe us, then, you know, they're foolish because we have the answers, Andy. So enough tiptoeing, enough sugarcoating these questions. We're going to start answering them. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. Let's let's hit me with it. Okay. Well, the first one is: Where do we stand in our division right now? We obviously have, you know, the Flyers. We have Boston. We have Pittsburgh. We have uh, the Capitals. We have Buffalo. The Devils. Islanders. Where where do we stand right now?
1: Um. Well, we're not the best team in our division. I don't think anyone thinks that. I would hope yeah, okay. you wouldn't think that. So, we're not, we're not that. I believe that honor probably falls to the Boston Bruins. Although, uh, we still don't know what happens with the Chara. Uh, sometimes when you're on top for that long and you lose a leader, if he decides, hell, he might end up in a Ranger sweater. Who knows what happens? Uh, but <laughs> stranger things happen. But, um, yeah, sometimes those teams slip off. I would imagine New Jersey's probably the worst team in the division again. Uh, I you know the Islanders like we we've said they've lost some key piece. you know they lose um I always I always get confused whether they it was they didn't trade Pollock they trade Dev, Devontae's, right to Colorado so they lose yep. Taze uh they'll have Pollock and obviously they're going to have to ask Noah Dobson to do a lot more heavy lifting because as that old the old, I think they're the oldest team in the league and they get even older um Barzel still doesn't have a contract I don't know what's going on there so uh but I assume they're still going to get something done but Yeah, man, I, I, the only team I can, I could see, I wouldn't surprise me in the least. I think the Rangers are, are dead in the middle. I think, you know, I don't, not to, to be the guy that hedges their bets. It's just that it's one of those things that I don't think, I don't think the Rangers are better than Philly at this moment. Um, I don't think they're better than Boston. Uh, I think they're probably, I imagine they're better. I think they're better than Buffalo. I think they're better than uh the Devils. I actually I do think they're probably maybe not better coached, but on paper they are a better team than the New York Islanders. Um Washington, I still think I kind of like I like their offseason. I like their new coaching, you know. Lundqvist unfortunately can't play for them, but they just got Craig Anderson there on a PTO. I don't know what he's still got, so I think their goaltending is going to be the big the big thing for them is because now I don't know if Samsonov wasn't ready with Lundqvist, he's going to really have to be ready now because we don't know what Craig Anderson is like at this stage. Um, not that they knew what Lundqvist was like, but yeah, I mean, so I think the Rangers are, I could see, I, I see them dead in the middle of that division. I think the good news is for them is that I think they have uh, some of the best goaltending, if not the best goaltending tandem in the division. Uh So I think they're, I think they, you know, I, if you're asking me what teams are they concretely better than I can only conservative, really conservatively say three teams, but uh, that doesn't mean I don't think they can't be one of the top four teams in that division. I don't think they're, they're not the top two. I don't think at all. I think, I think Philly and Washington, um, Philly and Boston are better than them. And I think Washington, if I'm really minus their goaltending, at least in terms of their defense and their forward core, they're not better than them yet, but, Um, yeah, I mean, the good news is a lot of teams in that division are all old, you know? And so any one of them, and you know, honestly, I look at Pittsburgh, they've kind of, they've had a really, my head scratcher of an off season. So besides Crosby and Malkin, they get, yet, get older. Uh, you know, who is there is, I guess, Tristan Jari is their goaltender, is their goaltender now, right? Or is it, um,
0: yeah, I guess they're going with, I I don't know if he's going to be their, their starter. Like, I don't know what their plan is. Like I, I don't get some of these NHL teams and and you know, before I, I answer my own question, I, I guess we'll address, you know, the goaltending in, in general. Like I don't know what some of these teams are doing in terms of uh their their goaltending tandem. Are we like the only ones that really feel that like you need two good goaltenders this season? Like you're not gonna no, get I by mean, with just one.
1: No, yeah. And listen, I think I think uh the Islanders I you know I th- if if Sorokin is as good as I think he can be, and Varlamov is a totally competent goaltender, he was good for them in the in the bubble. So the devil's I think actually Varlamov
0: did um uh, Blackwood.
1: Yeah, that that was a good that was good on their part. Uh, Blackwood, and then they have um uh, Corey Corey is
0: it yeah Corey Crawford. Crawford. <laughs> yeah, is in Crawford uh, on their team.
1: Or is he, is he, Uh, no, uh, um, yes, Crawford, excuse me. Sorry. I, I got, I got my Schneider, Corey Schneider and Corey Crawford mixed up. So Corey Crawford. So yeah, who knows? Maybe, you know, he's even though it's recently, it's been rough for him, but he was up until a few years ago. He's still a very good goaltender. So yeah, if the black, maybe Blackwood's the real deal. It's funny. I think that it's like, yeah, so it's, I have more questions about some of the teams on top. Um, Boston has Rask who, as of, is still seems to be pretty good, and they have a halak, right? So, um, I think halak's their backup. I, yeah, I, that's the, HALAC- the thing, I haven't sponsors their backup, yeah. Uh,
0: but but overall, but I really like all the these guys of- are
1: old though. That's the thing is that we talk all these like guys are are getting up there, and at any moment it can happen. You can just hit a wall, especially if you're a goaltender. You know, I, Halak has been good for long, but we saw even Lundqvist wasn't what he once was. Even though he was still like a league average goaltender, and you know, some you were, I guess now you have guys like Sergei Bobrovsky. They want to see is like, did he just hit a wall, or is it just like he had an is an aberration of a year, and he'll be better, or the team in front of him? But you just don't. Don't know goaltending's like that, so uh, I I think the Rangers, at least on, I'm the most comfortable with their tandem on paper of any team in that division. You yeah. know,
0: so I think so we both the agree, Rangers have that going for him. I think we both agree that the Rangers find themselves like smack dab right in the middle of this division.
1: Yeah, where that's where I kind of feel it
0: where at any given day, we can find ourselves, you know, beating the teams at the top of the division or losing to the teams at the bottom of the division. I think that's going to be the name of the game this season. So again, with a middle of the pack team, you're going to look to guys to step up. And for me, there's three guys that I see in the lineup that have to have an explosive season that have to really come out of their shell. And I want you to see you, you name your three players that you really want to see blossom this year. And we'll see if we have the three same players. All right. You want me to go first? Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I want you actually name the, you know, the three players that you really want to see the Rangers to, you know, uh, I'm sorry, name the three players that you want to see, you know, blossom this year. And, uh, and then I will let you know my three players, but I think we'll probably have the same three. Well, Capo is obviously one of them.
1: Obviously after this uh the difficulty of his rookie year. Okay. I yeah, I think I think all Rangers fans are like they want to see him come out a bit. Uh I want to see Philip Heedle come out of his shell a bit more. You okay. know, I think he's got more to give. And I think it would be he's kind of on that precipice whether he's easy at this point I know he's still young. We forget how young he is. And that he he started playing the NHL very young, so that kind of skews it. But at the same time, you kind of need to see that he can he can he can at least set his sights on that second line center spot, because there are times where I'm like, is he more suited to be a winger where he doesn't have as much def- defensive responsibility or doesn't have to like? Because yeah, I just think he his playmaking is not is not really his forte and using his teammates is not his greatest aspect. It's just, he's my, maybe more better at cashing in on chances, but every now and then he does something, you know, he makes a beautiful pass with the puck. We saw him do that between the legs, backhand to Jesper Foss in the slot uh, against, uh, what was it, the San Jose? That was beautiful. And he had, a, and he's had some good cross ice feeds before. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I want to see him. And then finally, uh, Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know if it's if it's fair to say Adam Fox, I feel like he's already kind of come out of his shell. You know, I think he's we've already seen that he can be, you know, on top, although. i think that he struggled in the bubble i think the the lack of time and space i think he saw firsthand how difficult and how much of a different game it can be and you know because he's usually such a poised and patient guy and can find ways to get pucks through i think he had a hard time with less time and space than even the regular season so uh but yeah i mean for me you know obviously i also want to say lafreniere but we haven't really seen him so i don't know if it's fair to to say that, but he's
0: not, he's not one of my guys.
1: He's not. Yeah, exactly. So I, I would say, uh, Kapo, I I would say Capo. I would say Heedle for that second line center. And, uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to say, I want to, I want to see Adam Fox just take the ball and, and run with it. I don't want there to be, you know, he's, I think he's, if he can, the more ice time he can get, I think the more, effective the rangers will be just because his you know he's such a good two-way defenseman and if they can rely on having him out there as much as possible uh i think that's better for the rangers overall i think that's better for guys like truba you know i think it's better for guys like tony who are are good you know good on the offensive side of the puck and maybe just only uh, mediocre to so so defensively you know yeah and so those are my three guys
0: okay for for me i think this season rests in the hands of three players i think you hit the nail right right. on the head with You know, this year, we need to know if Hedel's going to be a center for the New York Rangers, because if he doesn't come out of his shell this year, we might as well look elsewhere to, you know, ship him out of here, trade for like trade him for, you know, more assets, because right now, Hedel has had enough time in the NHL to kind of figure things out. I know he's super young, but he's. He's had a, enough time. He's had enough time to develop into, you know, uh, an NHL player. You saw what he did at the AHL level. Yeah, it's an absolute joke for him to play there. But now it's time to, you know, figure out his game with the big boys and, and figure out, you know, where he stands as a New York Ranger. And I think this year for him, he's going to be playing with, you know, some talented players. I, th- I think he's going to have his opportunity. And and I kind of believe in him too because he's, he's not one of those guys that, you know, just um disappears, or like once he's off his game, it's tough to find it back. I think he's very consistent at you know at his game, but I think he needs to elevate it and then be consistent at that level. Because like there's there's flashes of brilliance, but we need more of that. And New York Rangers need to find out what they have in Filipino Otherwise, I just feel like we're going to be spinning our wheels with another player, and you know it's just you know it's just going to drive ourselves crazy this whole season. The second player for me, Andy, is going to be Jacob Truba. I've had conversations with you know a few of my friends, uh, you know, going back and forth, texting. Truba, to me, needs to play like a number one defenseman on this team. He needs to be physical. He needs to be gritty. He needs to be, I hate to say it, almost like a scumbag. He needs to have New York fall in love with him. He needs to be our statement guy. He's got to take runs at guy. it, it, guys. He, he just needs to... To muck it up out there, and he needs to play like a leader, and he's got to be our go-to guy. You know, we need to see the guy, the Truba that we had in the bubble, because that that guy took over games. That guy, you know, made those statement hits. You know, he you know he got aggressive when he needed to be, and I think that's going to be important for us because those gritty teams, those physical teams, the teams that aren't that are willing to muck it up and play ugly games and and win those games two to one, three to one battles. Those are the teams that are going to make the playoffs. And I think they're going to fare pretty well in the playoffs because they're going to be used to playing that nasty game that, you know, that we see every year at the playoffs. You know, everyone knows that the refs put away their whistles and kind of let the boys play and there's less time and space. And that type of hockey just kind of reigns supreme in the playoffs. And, and, And he needs to be our leader during the whole season, bring that element to our game and continue that into the playoffs. And number three is going to be Pavel Buchnevich. You know, I know you love Buch. He's got the analytics there that say he drives a ton of offense, but there's no no more time for him to be a first line player and only put up 16 goals. I know he only played 68 games, but still, he needs to be a 25 to 30 goal scorer this year. I know he's only playing, you know, 56 games, but if you're going to be playing first line minutes, playing with, you know, Zibanejad and, and Kreider, you really need to you know, if you're not gonna if you're not gonna have the 25, 30 goals this year, then then you need to have like at least 40 assists because this kid finally needs to start putting the stats and and have them correlate with his you know statistics and his analytics. So I don't know. What do you think of those three? Because I really do think you know if those three players come out of their shell this year, the sky's the limit for the New York Rangers. And there's no reason why we're not a playoff That's, no, that's,
1: that's honestly now thinking about it. Those are probably the three better bets to put on than I, you know, the guys I named, uh, obviously we both agree on Heedle, but you're right. Listen, Truba was brought in to do something. The amount of money he commands, right. Uh, he was our best player in the, it was the best defenseman in the bubble. Uh, so yeah. And we need to see more of that guy because when he is, Engaged and playing, you know, aggressive and steady, but still skating the puck out a little bit more and being a little bit more aggressive and just being engaged. Like I said, uh the whole the whole team is better for it,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: it takes so much pressure off. You know, guys that are still you know finding their way. The rest of our D is going to be really young. You know, who knows if whether a uh, libra Hayek or a time Reunion or you know even just some guy like a if one of Batetto or Jack Johnson is is you know gets a is a penciled into the the lineup, it's just you're gonna need no matter what form our d takes, they are going to be one of our weaknesses so it he really needs to be have a you know greater greater more of a presence you know in terms of uh on the ice and just steering the ship a bit for instead you know stabilizing things in the back end um and you're right about butch to be honest because I think I would dare say that he with Lafreniere coming in and Kreider locked up long-term and Panarin and Capo and p- potentially Vitaly Kravtsov whenever he comes over. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking to tra- of trading someone, I mean, you deal from a position of strength and the Rangers are, have a glut of wingers and he's got, he's a guy that would probably have. So, I mean, if he wants to stick with this team long-term, I think he kind of almost has to have a, a big year. Cause I could see him, uh, yeah, this, if, yeah, I could see if he has yet another, like, just okay, but not great season for the Rangers. If he's just a 45-point guy, you know, or a sub-50-point guy, he might, yeah, he might, uh, That's might be his last season as a Ranger. So I think you're absolutely right. You know, if you're going to play with manager if you're going to play in the first line, or if he wants to stick on the first line, he's going to have to have a good season and not so much more, like he said, that he drives great analytics, but his finishing ability or his shooting percentage just doesn't uh, do him any favors, you
0: know? Yeah. And, and you can see how many times does the camera pan over to Buchnevich on the bench after, you know, a really great shift where they had a ton of chances and you just, oh, I just missed the net. And he's sitting there. He's kind of like pouting and he might have like someone might say to him, you know, uh, put a smirk on his face. But someone might, you know, bust his chops a little bit about just missing the net. But you know, it's just one of those things where it's it's like this is this is the Rangers success right here. This is the Rangers team. This is you're talking about first line players. And and we're we have a question mark over their head on what type of player they're they're going to be. And we can't have that. You know, the successful teams, the teams that, you know, go far in the playoffs. You look at the Boston Bruins like, you know what you're going to get out of their top guys. You know, their top line is going to be the best line in hockey, that they're going to win games for them. Rangers don't have that. You know, we have a couple players that really drive our offense. We don't have the lines to drive the offense. You know, we really need the, you know, the KZB line to, to be one of the most dominant lines in hockey. You know, they have to be, you know, we're too young and inexperienced on, you know, on the bottom six. And, and even as, as, you know, our defensemen go, we don't have too many established NHL defensemen that you can actually truly trust. So, you know, guys like Truba, guys like Buchnevich, and and now like, you know, Filipito has had enough time in a New York Rangers sweater to to be like, where does he fit in with this team? What is he going to be? Because if we do trade for a big-time center or even like a middle-of-the-pack number-two center that we, you know, we might, you know, try to find if we're, you know, on the cusp of making the playoffs and we want to improve our team, Filipito might be the guy that we we send over you know, if they, if they want to, you know, a center back in the deal. So, you know, we really need to find out what we have in these guys. And, you know, I'm not saying that they're the only three guys that we really need to find out because I do think that, you know, there's players like Strom and Kreider, and especially Kreider after signing that long-term deal, you know, you know, I'm sick of, I'm sick and tired of having to, you know, bash him, you know, I want to know what he is. Like I want, I want him to finally blossom to the player that you see every 10 games where he absolutely just dominates the entire game, where he can drive the net and make any defenseman in NHL look stupid with his strength. You know, I want to see that. And, you know, the Rangers find themselves smack dab right in the middle of this of this division where we can beat and we can compete with the top teams without a doubt. So I see the Rangers making the playoffs, you know, and I, I, I really I have high hopes for this team. I have high hopes for a lot of the players that, you know, we've just talked about because this is it. It's make or break for some of these players and and you know, it's it's time that the Rangers take a step in, in the right direction. Man, I yeah, I don't think I
1: could have said it any better than that. Uh yeah, cuz I do find myself sometimes being like, "Oh, well there's there's unknowns, but uh, yeah, it, it, is kind of, it is kind of make or break. I think especially this year, you don't have time, you don't, these teams will not have the benefit of time to to rebound or figure things out uh, or to get their, their chemistry or just find their games or if they're struggling, it's going to have to be whoever's the fastest off the block. So if you're going to make a statement or if you're going to do something, you got to do it now. And especially if you're, you know, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot rotting on this season, you know, especially it's like you're going to, have extended time away from your families for certain points. Uh -hmm. and potentially there's risk involved. So if they want to make it mean something, they're really gonna have to, like I said, they're gonna have to you have a quick training camp, you have no warm-up tune-up games. So yeah. And I I would dare say, like at this point, you know, especially with the we always talk about the Rangers youth youth pipeline and we're watching, it's like at a certain point, these some of these kids are going to be we'll get to a point where kids are fighting to get into the lineup. You know what I mean? And we, we've been lucky in that we've had players like Capo and now Lafreniere who most likely step right into the lineup be, from when they're drafted. But at a certain point, you're going to, you know, if you have a, with the Rangers farm system, you're going to have a situation where a lot of, you're going to have a lot of, a, a lot of fight, you know, a lot of fighting for not a lot of spots. You know what I mean? And co- a lot of competition from, uh, yeah, from, from within and from with under, I should say. So, yeah, I mean, at a certain point, you ha- you know, these players are going to have to prove themselves to management all over again. You know, if it's not all of a sudden, you know, Bucnevich is- isn't looking like the clear cut best, you know, uh, best option for the top line right winger. You know what I mean? So. Um, right. And yeah, especially you-, you look at the goal Kravtsov scored the other day. We know this kid is skilled and yeah. we know he's been working on his game, you know, and he's and he's at least a half a point a game in the KHL at his age, which isn't, isn't too bad. It's pretty good. So, yeah, I mean. Yeah, at a certain point, it's like uh, if you want to have a long term future with this team or if you want to at least be in their plans and, and you, you like living in New York City, you, you're you going to have to perform. But um, I'm confident. I'm honestly after after you putting it that way, I am confident in this group. Uh, I, I think the goaltending really does help them. And at least maybe they they can get this this Rangers team can maybe get away with a little bit more than some other teams can if they're if they're happy with their how they look in the back end, you know. I, or I'm sorry excuse me between the pipes cuz their back end we still really don't know how that's going to shape out.
0: Right and and you you hit the nail right on the head saying, you know, we have a lot of question marks in our youth. That's where the question marks should lie. We shouldn't be having a question mark over Buchnevich's head, over Heedle's head, over Truba's head. These are NHL players. We can't we can't sit back and say, you know, when is Kreider going to find his game? When is Heedle going to find his game? You know, once Truba finds his game, we'll be better off. It's like Those are the NHL players that we have on our team that we're ready to, you know, ride with. So those players have to figure it out. And I think they will figure it out. Now the question marks are in our youth. And are they ready yet? Can they take on that larger role? Is Lafreniere really, you know, that good? Is he ready for the NHL? Because, listen, he's made a mockery of every level he's ever played at. But the NHL has a very unique way of humbling people. And they can humble you really quick. And, you know, uh, listen, we're not used to seeing, you know, NHL stars, you know, grow to be, you know, out of a New York Rangers sweater. But this kid seems like he could be the first one in a long time. So, you know, I'm I'm hoping he's ready because we're going to need him. And if we want a chance at the playoffs, we got to have three solid lines and he's going to be, you know, I don't know where he's going to fit right away, but he's certainly going to be playing. Top nine minutes as a forward, and and we're going to need them certainly to make the uh, the playoffs. Because you know, the teams at top like Philly and Boston, I think you can pencil them in. But there's a lot of unknowns. I think with the rest of the pack, and that's where I see the Rangers. You know, making moves. You know, I think they're going to beat out the Capitals. I think they're going to beat out Pittsburgh. I, I I think they're ready. I th- I really do think they're ready for that because we have a lot of NHL pieces, and I think that this is the year they kind of figure things out. well said uh man i
1: i'm so hyped and that's the biggest thing is that watching this world juniors tournament is that you you really do forget how close we are to seeing rangers hockey we saw that right. picture of uh lafreniere and keandre on
0: uh on christmas oh you know God. just uh it was so know, glorious uh, i thought it was photoshopped like well <laughs> not not them, them two together like yeah. the, the background it was just like a perfect you know it, was, it was a Christmas gift for yeah, all of us. Yeah, it just really the, was a Christmas the future
1: Christmas. of what the future could be. And I mean, yeah, uh, I love. I you could just you could just tell Lafreniere is a confident kid, and it, and even Miller too. You know, I don't. I think he spends most of the season in the AHL, but uh, yeah, you could tell that he is. I that he yeah he's. Uh, I think he's really going to push here, and he's going to try to make it a difficult decision for the Rangers. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just the future is so bright. I mean. You know we're we see Br- what berard's doing and working his way up and everyone's saying like you know me included i don't know why he was still around when the range was able to pick him uh but uh yeah just he's turning heads uh you have brayden schneider you know you've it's just yeah it, the list goes on and on that kraft's off goal the other day was absolute filth and he and he's mm-hmm. after scoring it he looks like he was trying to remember if he you know if he left his front door unlocked yeah. You know, can you imagine scoring a goal that second and then just going to the pile, just like looking all nonchalant, just like bumbling? Oh yeah, 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 whatever. Like yeah. That's, how, <laughs> that's how that's how how skilled this kid is. And uh, yeah, man, they have the Rangers have an abundant abundance of of young talent that can be pushing to make this team in a few years. So it's funny we we finally think we see how this team shapes up, but in three years it might look nothing like this. You know, it's just crazy how think how quickly things can change. Derek Stepan is now a, an yes. Iowa senator. You know, yep. it's, it's wild. You know. It, I yeah. didn't really understand that. I mean, I understand in that uh, Ottawa is cheap, and he was only owed you know, two $2 million in real money. Apparently, they just helped. Uh, they just made another trade, Ottawa, as, as we record this. Uh, Braden Coburn and Paquette and the second rounder from the Lightning in exchange for Marion Gabrick and Anders Nelson. Marion Gabrick is a Tampa, member of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Jeez. So this this league is ever, ever changing. You know, former Ranger great Marion Gabrick. Gab, uh, Gabrick. Since... Since he's been a Ranger, he's been, what, he was with uh, Columbus for a hot minute, uh, then L.A., and and then he was, did he go anywhere before going from L.A. to Ottawa? No, then to Ottawa. Uh,
0: We're talking about Marion Gavrick, right?
1: Yeah. It was Columbus. Columbus, then he went to L.A., and he won a cup, right? Yeah. then, then he was Ottawa, right? Or did he go somewhere before Ottawa?
0: No, I think he was straight to Ottawa.
1: Yep. Yes, to yeah. Ottawa, and then now he's a member of the Lightning. So all these former Rangers, you know, are ending up in different spots. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this the league changes so quickly, now, the landscape changes so quickly. Uh, you know, Mike Hoffman just signed with the Blues on a PTO, although I assume that's for cap reasons; they're going to give him a a, a deal uh, early on. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, you have to you have to imagine that at a certain point when the Rangers finally do think, all right, we're ready, and they go out try to use some of those, they're going to flip some of these kids in their system or with picks to, to bolster their team going forward. So at that point, yeah, you don't know, like you're, you're playing to be part of this team when it's good, if that makes any sense. So yeah, hopefully they take that to heart. And if they want to, if they want to be a New York Ranger, they're going to have to, they're going to have to earn it. So,
0: yeah. So Andy, literally next week, camp should start for the New York Rangers, uh, barring any, Crazy stuff with COVID, but I think everything right now looks, you know, very good for the training camp to start for them. You know, this is it, man. This is like our last, you know, conversation we really have, you know, to our listeners before, you know, things hit the ground running. And I know we have, you know, the World Juniors and stuff like that. You know, uh, we're in the midst of that, but this is it. This is New York Rangers hockey. This is why we do the podcast. This is, you know, what brought both of us together and you know kind of is the core i i think of our friendship it really is new york rangers hockey cuz we both you know love it and care for it so much and you know i'm pumped man i'm very excited and you know i i just really think that the rangers are going to have an excellent year and uh you know i i cannot wait to kind of go through this season uh with you and just you know ride the roller coaster man i i'm so ready it's been i know we had the
1: the return to play but just getting back to uh the regular season and just those living you know every day just looking forward like all right who do we got next although now we're gonna have i mean you know we haven't we haven't even spoken so much about the 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 layout of games and you know i mean we've spoken about what the implications are but you know they released the hard uh roster for how these games have been played we're gonna play the the devils four times in a row it's gonna be great uh and yeah, uh, no, so you're listening to this on it when it drops on Monday. Uh, no Thursday pod this week, obviously, mm-hmm. with uh, uh, New Year's right around the corner. So happy New Year's, everyone. Uh, looking forward to finally putting 2020 behind us. Uh, happy holidays. Happy New Year. Uh, and yeah, good riddance to rough 2020 and to a better 2021. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.